Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Tuesday. It is February 6th. We're going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewer fans' polluted mindset, how we got here, how do we fix it, uh, and much more. Uh, We will also discuss the bracket watch for this week. We're going to talk about the potential of the Marquette Purdue destiny. Zach Eady, will he get the calls in March? A lot more there. And then lastly, we'll talk about the latest Bucks rumors, bearing it at the end just because things can change in an instant. So want to make sure that it is not going to spoil your podcast experience, like probably my voice. Sorry, I do have a cold. Uh, so I apologize for the nasally uh, sound today. Uh, uh, hopefully we'll get better. I don't like that uh, heading into the week of National Marquette Day. Uh, but what are you going to do? Uh, that's just a lot of shit going around. Uh, so hopefully we'll get better. Uh, before we get going, uh, just a reminder, social media, Tammy Keg on Twitter slash X, uh, Tammy Keg Sports, Instagram, TikTok, as well as Facebook. Uh, make sure that if you are a Marquette fan, you're downloading the PSF app. Uh, we are doing live streams there. We did two last week. Uh, I'm doing another one uh, on the 13th uh, against Butler. TBD, if I'm going to do the UConn game, uh, I think it's really just going to come down to uh, what what it, what happens in terms of like my tra- my travel. Um, and then uh, make sure that you are subscribing to the podcast. Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. Uh, if you are new to this program, that's where we are. And we do this four times a week. Uh, We will be doing every show this week uh, besides Thursday. We'll take Thursday off, the deadline day off, and then on Friday, uh, Mitch and I will connect. I've not cleared that with Mitch, uh, but I hope that that he is able to do that uh, because that makes the most sense. Uh, So yeah, that that will be this week's uh, round of shows. Uh, Hopefully, I will sound better as the week goes on. All right, let's dive into the podcast. The Milwaukee Brewers and the Kansas City Royals were lumped together uh, yesterday. Uh, A Twitter user by the name of Ed Zark uh, pointed out, would you rather be a Milwaukee Brewer fan or a Kansas City Royal fan? The thought process there was the Kansas City Royals have won a World Series. Uh, They got to a World Series. They just signed Bobby Witt to a massive deal. Uh, Bobby Witt, hell of a shortstop, really good young player. Uh, for Kansas City uh, has become the face of the franchise. Uh, And so there was a lot of debate and a lot of people said the Royals because they they wanted that championship. They wanted to basically flags fly forever. And if you look at the Royals baseball reference, it is ugly. It is absolutely gross. Uh, The Royals have won a World Series, yes. And they they got to a World Series, but they have been absolute utter trash the last 20 years basically without it. Uh, it's been, they haven't just made the playoffs. They haven't got to the wild card. They haven't got to the NL, ALCS. Uh, they have just been either all or nothing. And that even goes to 1985 with before most of us were born. If you're an older listener, a uh, shout out. But that's when they won their World Series as well. So it's like boober bust in the best way possible for Royals fans. They have those dopamine hits But other than that, it's been absolute shit. And so that's where the debate raged on. And I think that originally I was like Brewers. And I was like, you know what? Even though we don't have a title, the amount of joy that the Brewers have brought me for the last 10 years has been a lot. Like, yeah, it has ended in absolute shit. And there have been so many frustrating Octobers. 
and you ask yourself why you're doing this again. But the Brewers have just brought me a lot of joy. And I thought about it. I literally thought about it the entire walk with my dog yesterday afternoon. Um, and like was basically having a podcast that I had uh, to myself. And I was like, you know what? Like flags fly forever. You'll always have that championship. You'll always have that dopamine hit. And you can't necessarily replace that. And that you're always going to have that. You will always have the memories of the 2014, you know, failure and you got close. Like they were, it wasn't like they didn't belong in that World Series. They got to game seven against the San Francisco Giants. Like they fucking belonged there. Like that was a great series, underrated, great World Series. And they were right there at the end. Then in 2015, they come back and they win it. So basically you had two great years of baseball and you had two just excellent years where you loved baseball. And if I think about myself, because that's what we do in these scenarios, we put ourselves in these scenarios. I would have been 2014, I would have been, what? let's see there, age-wise, I'd been 27, right, at the time, 27, 28. So like, that would, I mean, yeah, that's great. That's prime time, right? You're, that is exactly when you want your teams to be good. You want them to be good when you have limited responsibilities, when you don't necessarily have X, Y, Z things to do. And you can watch all the baseball. You can go to games. You could, you know, go out to the bar on Thursday because your job doesn't really matter. And you could show, you'd be hungover after you watched your team advance in the playoffs. So like that, those two years would always be cherished memories. You know, if I was a Royals fan, that's always there. That that you'll think back to those. Like it's the same way we think back to the 2021 summer for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I still contend that that was such a special summer because it was just off of COVID. We were all in our houses, some of us more than others, some of us less than others, but still there was so little to do. People weren't necessarily having baby showers. People weren't necessarily having a ton of weddings. People had canceled a lot of their plans because early on in 2021, we didn't necessarily know where the country was going. And so people just you know, took their precautions and basically created this open summer. And when that happened and things started getting a little loose, everyone was able to enjoy the Bucks run probably more than I think they ever thought possible at the start of that season. When at the start of that year, there were, I think, no fans. Yes, there were no fans in the stands. They were playing in empty arenas. They slowly walk. Remember also too, in that Nets series, they didn't even have a full crowd. And, and so like the, the whole story of it all is like, we got to enjoy this as like the basically the rumspringer, if you will, of like pre-post-COVID. And so that, I think, amplifies the Bucks championship. And that's part of the memories. And the Bucks have been good since. And yeah, we've had some struggles. And this year has been very interesting. But it's not been the Royals where we completely fell off. Giannis left. And it just, it, it would never be the same. But getting back to the Royals slash Brewer discussion... I think that if I was a baseball, if a baseball was my number one sport, if baseball was like the sport that I care about the most, I would have a hard, I think I have a harder time saying the Royals over the Brewers. Because if you, if that person is a diehard and they're watching 80 to 85% of the games, I feel like that just the amount of 
bad baseball that you would watch, nothing's worse. Nothing's worse than having a bad baseball team in the summer because there's nothing else on. There's not football. There's not basketball. For the most part, think about the city of Kansas City also. Like, they don't have a basketball team, so there's no finals, right? Kansas basketball is wrapped up uh, in April if they if everything goes right. Um, they, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And so all you have is baseball. And I think if you are a diehard, weirdly, I actually think the Brewers would be a better experience for you. But if you want to just win championships, you don't care as much, you're, the team is a second-tier team, I think you choose the Brewers. Or, I'm sorry, the Royals. But I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'd love to hear what you guys think. You can weigh in uh, on both sides of this. But what this unveiled to me and why I kind of started with this was because it unveiled a, a polluted mindset, I think, among Brewers fans. I think there wasn't a ton of critical thinking that it was just all like Royals, Royals, Royals. We won a championship. We won a championship. We, we all like do this. Brewers fans right now are obsessed with getting to the World Series. They are absolutely craving a World Series. There has not been a team this obsessed with getting to the ultimate destination. I really think in Wisconsin sports, I know you could say the Packers, but because Aaron Rodgers got there right away, there, there was always that hope, right? That we could get back there and that we always, we kind of assumed that we would get back there. The Milwaukee Bucks, it's the same thing. We got to the mountaintop. We were there. So I think the fact that the Brewers have not got their turn, this created this like hunger and this obsession, and it's been almost unhealthy and it's almost polluted sort of how people watch and enjoy baseball. And I, I just, I wonder if like, this is even fixable or if this is unsolvable and they just have to deal with this with the millennial and Gen Z generation of Brewers fans. You have to really wonder. So how did we get here? How do we end up having this polluted mindset and having this idea that we can't enjoy the little things about a 162 game season? Number one, it's winning. And I know that sounds weird, but because the Brewers, and you got the, the, the haters will love this, because the Brewers have had many bites at the apple, because the Brewers have gotten so goddamn close, it makes it that much harder. And the assumption is if the Brewers just did a little more, if they just did a little more, if they took another bite of that proverbial apple, they would be in the World Series, which is categorically untrue. I know you could you scoff at that, but like here's the thing. It, they have just been unlucky. And it, it it's unfortunate. Chris Taylor makes an amazing catch in game seven of the World Series. Or I'm sorry, the NLCS when the Brewers lose to the Dodgers. 2019, they were on pace to win that division. Christian Yelich breaks his kneecap. And they they end up being the wild card and they lose to the Nationals when Josh Hader and Trent Grisham collectively blow the game. 2020, complete wash. 2021, they get, basically, they have a great team. They won 97 games. I think that completely gets lost by everybody, that they won 97 games. They were, looked like a complete wagon. And they put they took their foot off the gas pedal entirely in the last few weeks, tried to get healthy, tried to basically, you know, ramp back up in the postseason while this Braves team came in like a freight train and absolutely kicked their ass. 
And their offense was completely a mess in the last part of the season. And they did nothing to really address it and try to fix it and try to adjust on the fly. They stuck to their plan and it did not work. And then in 2022, they trade Josh Hader. It all goes to shit. I don't think that that is unlucky. I think that was poor planning. You also had David Stearns who had a foot out the door. And I am not as critical of Mark Ananasio, but Mark Ananasio should have smelled that David Stearns was out and should have let David Stearns go to the New York Mets or worked on a deal to send David Stearns to the Mets and just should have done that. And Ananasio not doing that, I think was a colossal failure in my opinion, because it fucked an entire season. And I, I wonder if you had a guy like Matt Arnold, who's focused on the job, who wants to be here, I think Josh Hader would have been traded before the season started. I think you would have had a Corbin Burns-like deal for Josh Hader two years ago. Then in 2023, the Brewers, again, were pretty solid and their, their manager might have had a foot out the door. And Corbin Burns also didn't, you know, he, he failed to deliver. And he had a lead. He had a 3 nothing lead in that Diamondbacks game. And he absolutely fell apart. Uh, I was at that game. I can't remember Corbin Burns pitching as badly as he did in that game. Um, I will always refer back to that when the Orioles are in the postseason. Uh, I will wager against that, against Corbin Burns in that moment. Like, I just, I, I can't get that out of my head. And that, I, I don't know who, that's not necessarily a fault of anybody. But because they've gotten so close and they just have not finished, it makes it that much more frustrating. And it creates this almost delusion and pollution of the mind that like, if we just like we just did a little more, we would be in the World Series. But that again is entirely subjective. We have no fucking idea. We have no idea. And that's, that's the part of it that I, I think people lose sight of. I think people really don't get that and don't understand that like, it's really hard to win a championship. I say this all the time. People probably hate me saying this, but it's true. And so, yes, I understand that getting to the World Series is the ultimate goal. But there is a reason why small markets have not made it to a World Series since Cleveland in 2016. And the Kansas City Royals are the last team, small market team to win a World Series. So you should really, what you should think about is you should think how great the Brewers have been and how this has been an elite franchise for the amount of winning they have been able to do when everything is against them, when they are stacking the chips against them, when they only want the big markets, yet the Milwaukee Brewers have came really fucking close as one of the smallest markets in baseball. And I know you're like, well, that's, that's propaganda. You, you, you should work for Russia. No. No, that is that is honestly what you should how you should think about it. And I understand it's really hard to, to conceptualize because another fault is the media and the media props up these big market teams, wonders why big market small market teams can't be like big market teams, do not address the hard and fast issues of TV deals, of market size, of the fact there's no salary cap. None of them care because it's a hard conversation. The lowest denominator fan is not going to understand that. And I get it. It's they write for the for basically the general audience. So the general audience is not going to want to get into the details of why it's hard for small markets to spend money. But we there is such an aversion 
to the small markets. We turn our nose up in the small markets and the small markets have to give the big markets everything. There is no bigger bias than the big market media. And it's because a lot of these guys work there or live there. Ken Rosenthal was a Baltimore guy, but he's been a New York guy forever. Tyler Kepner worked for the New York Times for as long as it could be, and I believe he's a Philadelphia native. Uh, you have John Morosi, who's Detroit, and in Detroit's a quote-unquote small market, but they have a lot of fucking money. And I actually, I don't think Detroit's a small market. They're a big market too. Like, all of these guys come from big markets. They all worked for big markets because guess what? Big markets fucking pay. And, and that's ironic, right? Like if you're good at the Journal Sentinel, if you're good, you're gonna end up working for the LA Times, you're gonna end up working for the New York Times, you're gonna end up working for the Washington Post. So it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that, that, has, that the big media bias is there and it's not surprising. And the last part of this is the ring culture of our society has, has really never been worse. And that we, are obsessed with championships, that we we have to win championships, that, that we cannot appreciate seasons unless it ends in a title. And look, I get it. I fucking get it. I know that you play to win the game. I get that. But there are so many good memories. And if you're like, you know, from this year, from last year, from two years ago, even all the Bucks seasons, even all the Packer seasons, that you're like, you, you can't take a step back and say, wow, that was fun. It was a good time. I've enjoyed being a sports fan. I, I will pose this to you. I mean, I was about to say, yes, being a Kansas City fan, a Royals and Chiefs fan, has actually been pretty good. And I think the Chiefs, I will also, I, that should also be in an ad to bring it back to original. The Chiefs have really probably helped Royals fans because most Royals fans are probably Chiefs fans. So they've got rings. They're like, yeah, we got the Chiefs, you know, whatever. Royals suck. All right, let's get ready for Chiefs football. Let's get ready for Patrick Mahomes. They have the best player in fucking football. That's going to make life easier. So that they are spoiled in that sense, almost more so than Green Bay. And, and while Brewers fans would have that with Aaron Rodgers, now with Jordan Love, uh, they also have Giannis Antetokounmpo, there is still like, but that also works against them because it's like, why can't you be like them? Why can't you win a championship like them? And so we just, we love rings. We have to win a championship every fucking year. And if we don't win a championship, it's a failure. Is it a failure in the, mac in like the macro sense? Yes. Is it a failure in the micro sense? No. I, I mean, there are years that where you can say, this was a good fucking year. So I do think that the Brewers are at some point are gonna, gonna win one. And I hope they win one before my father passes on. He has hopefully a lot of years left. Um, but that's, I, I've always said, like that is, the, that is the championship that I want. And the Brewers have the second best farm system in baseball. The Brewers are building something really fucking special. And yet we are obsessed with talking about championships we don't have, talking about the Brewers, you know, spending money on a parking lot thing instead of this stadium thing that you're only going to go to when you go to Brewer games. And we don't see what's on the horizon. And I just want to tell you to take a step back and think through what's upcoming. And yes, could it lead to more heartbreak and more frustration? 
Absolutely. But could it also mean, mean the Brewers reach their ultimate goal? Yes. And who knows? Maybe there'll be a salary cap. I think a big baseball strike's coming. We'll just have to see. But I just want to tell Brewers fans that there, there's more, there is more to life than championships. I realize banners fly forever, but trust me that there are things that you should appreciate. All right, let's move on to the bracket watch, if you will, um, Marquette. And we'll talk about Marquette, sort of where they have them bracket-wise. We'll also discuss if I'm scared of Wisconsin getting to a Final Four. Um, I am not a Badger fan. I think you guys know that. Uh, if you don't, if you're new here, I'm not a Badger fan. Um, and I just, I think one of the worst case scenarios of this March Madness would be Wisconsin getting to a Final Four and Marquette not. Um, that would just be, just given how good Marquette's been the last two years, uh, for that to happen would be a cluster um, and be held over our heads for a very long time as Marquette fans. So it seems like Marquette is destined to be in Purdue's region. Uh, Marquette, as a two seed, they are going to give Marquette the Midwest. Why? Because it works to Marquette's advantage. It also makes sense. Marquette will get Indianapolis with Purdue. Um, if things are what they are today. And then they will go to Detroit and they will have to beat, go through Purdue to get to the Final Four, a team they've played twice um, and that they have dealt with Zach Eady, aka the foul merchant. And I know Badger fans can relate uh, after you know some questionable calls um, on in Sunday's Badger-Purdue game. I wonder, I, I've had a thought about Zach Eady, and I wonder just if he's going to be refed differently in the postseason. Um, I, I'm very curious to see that, right? Like, I don't think the refs want to decide basketball games. I don't think the refs want to be the star of the show unless your name's James Breeding. And I just wonder if Zach Eady is not going to get sort of the cushion that he's receiving in the regular season and that it's going to be harder for him to have fouls called, and that maybe the, the officiating changes slightly. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe not, right? Maybe that Zach Eadie's going to get fouled and hit his free throws all the way to the Final Four. Uh, I do think that it, people are making a colossal mistake thinking this is the, the same Purdue team than last year. All their guards are older. I will take everybody's brackets that have Purdue losing in the second round. I will tell you that they are at least a Sweet 16 team, if not an Elite Eight or a Final Four team. I'm not ready to pick Purdue to win the championship. I think there's an immense amount of pressure on Purdue to get to the Final Four. Um, literally just the discussion we had about the Brewers and getting to championships and things like that. Like that, that is Purdue, but honestly tenfold. And I, I, could, I think it's way worse. So Marquette is seemingly destined for Purdue unless they get a one seed. Now, is a one seed possible for the Golden Eagles? Yeah, I, I think so. It's not out of the question. Um, I think really for what Marquette needs is they need North Carolina to fall off a little bit. Marquette's going to also need to beat UConn one out of two in the regular season and then probably get to the Big East final. Marquette is a really good resume. Uh, it's a really solid, strong resume. I can't see them, them being the committee, leaving out a Big 12 team in the top seeds. Um, I do think that there's obviously a bias with North Carolina and that they would put North Carolina as that fourth seed if Carolina were, even if they falter and then they have a great ACC tournament. 
ACC is way overvalued this year. It is not a good conference. Um, and North Carolina is picking up a lot of cheap wins. And they're a good team. Like, don't get me wrong. They dismantled Duke. Um, you know, they, they are better than the Blue Devils. But I just don't know how good Carolina actually is. Um, and I think that would be a shaky one seed. They do have maybe one of the best players in basketball in R.J. Davis. But I, I think that what Marquette does in the Big East, and especially if they can beat UConn once or even twice, I highly doubt that. But if they do, like then you got to consider it. Do I think Marquette could replace UConn? I, I, again, I, I think I would make a stronger case that Marquette and UConn both should be one seeds because the Big East has been that good. I think you could also make a case for the Big 12. I know Kansas just lost, but if Kansas were to get on a heater and it's Kansas and Houston, I think you could make the same case for Kansas that they, the Big 12 and Big East are so good that they actually deserve two one seeds. And that, that matter to me, like, I think that's the sign of a, a really good conference that if you're doing so well in that conference, you deserve to be rewarded. But we'll see. Um, it just seems like Marquette's on a collision course with Purdue. Uh, I can't say it makes me feel good, um, honestly. And you're, you're going to be like, well, Charlie, Purdue always chokes. Purdue always chokes. I'm telling you, this Purdue team's different. This is a different Purdue team. And I think you need to you need to realize that. Like, you need to kind of wake up a little bit to, to that idea. Uh, as for where it has it, I'm doing Jerry Palm and Browertology. New, uh, we're not doing Joel and Artie. Joel and Artie... Like, look, man, he, I don't understand how you don't have a bracket out on Monday after, you know, no football, right? Like everybody watched college basketball. It was this excellent slate. You think Joel Lenardi could, you know, move around a few, few spreadsheets to figure out a bracket for Monday, right? So I'm using two guys that came out with their brackets on Monday. Um, I think it's really helpful. I think to give you the up to the minute, especially because there was so much movement in the games over the weekend. Marquette per Jerry Palm is a two seed against Colgate uh, I, in Indianapolis. Ideal matchup. Colgate plays up tempo like Marquette. That be that would be a great sort of way to start the tournament. I don't think Marquette would have any problems with Colgate. They would either play Texas Tech or Mississippi State. There is some familiarity uh, with Mississippi State. Marquette beat them last year, I believe it was, or two years ago. Uh, so they, Shaka knows at least what he's getting into uh, when facing Chris John's team. Texas Tech uh, being coached now by Grant McCaslin, the former North Texas team. So, which, and they, they shoot a lot of threes. That would be a little troublesome given that Marquette does play uh, a bit of a drop style defense and gives up a lot of three pointers. That would worry me uh, in that game, but I, I still think the matchup is, is okay. And if they were to win, we would be looking at either Alabama or Florida Atlantic in the Sweet 16, which would be unbelievable. Bama Marquette in the Sweet 16 would be the first to 100. That would be an excellent, excellent basketball game. That would be so fucking fun to watch those two teams play. Um, I'm all in on that. I'm all in on FAU. I think the FAU one would honestly uh, make me feel bad because if they, you know, obviously had a chat, chat to play FAU, uh, in the Elite Eight last year, had Marquette, you know, beat Michigan State. Had they beat, obviously beat Kansas. Like, they would have had to do a lot to get there. But it would definitely make me yearn for the, the year if they weren't able to get to the Final Four this year. And then, obviously, they're staring down Purdue uh, in, the, in the Elite Eight or Iowa State. 
Um, and that to me is a great matchup for Purdue. Um, Purdue will find their way to the Elite Eight if it's if it is Iowa State, you know, as that four seed. Uh, looking at Bowers bracket, he also has Marquette in Indianapolis, except against Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac's playing good basketball. Um, they're also kind of a fast-paced team uh, out of the Metro Atlantic Conference. You know, that was where St. St. Peter's came from. Uh, so, I, but I don't think there's any St. Peter's magic there. Uh, they would either play Oklahoma or Northwestern in the second round. That that'd be a little troublesome, um, just given that the both teams kind of take the air out of the ball. Both teams, you know, can pack the paint a bit. Um, Northwestern loves to shoot. Um, again, I, I think that 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 would make you a, a slightly nervous. Also, Northwestern would have the fan base that Marquette would, but they would have a lot of fans there. There would be a strong Northwestern contingent there. If they would win, they if they advance, they would play probably Baylor or San Diego State. Baylor, yes, the three pointers, but they they had a great you know time against Scott Drew. I would wonder if Scott Drew would draw things up differently. But Shaka has had. Scott Drew's number throughout the years. San Diego State, the physicality of San Diego State, I, I do wonder, would that hurt Marquette? Also, a lot of guys who've been there before. Um, I, I just wonder if, you know, Mark, would Marquette be able to handle it on the offensive boards against a team like that? And then they'd either play Purdue, who would get uh, Dayton uh, as their four seed, which again, I, I think would be beneficial. I know a lot of people like that Dayton team. But I, I just I, I need to see it against high level competition. I the A ten is not a is not a good conference uh, this year. They Dayton Richmond are both I think solid teams, but they there is a significant drop off uh, after that sort of top tier of A ten teams. So yeah, I, I look at it for Marquette, and I, I think that the area of opportunity is there. I just wonder is it worth trying to get out of that sort of? Can you get out of that Purdue bracket? And what do you need to do? I mean, I think the biggest thing, obviously, would be, you know, you got to you gotta somehow find a way to beat UConn once this year, which I think is possible at home, especially. It's going to be senior night. Tyler Kolick's last probably home game, as well as also Yadara's. Um, it's going to be just an absolute rocking atmosphere, 730 start. Um, so I, I think you'll have that. But if you're able to beat UConn twice, and maybe make a case that you are actually the best team in the Big East. Maybe that's how, how the one seed happens. As for if I would be scared of Wisconsin, uh, making the making the uh, run to the Final Four, not really. Um, they are the brackets that Palm and Bauer have, have the Badgers both playing high point in the first round. Then uh, Palm has the Badgers playing Colorado State or Virginia in that second round. Uh, Virginia is going to move up too. They've been playing really good basketball of late, but Colorado State I think would not be exactly a great matchup for Wisconsin. Um, and then they would play uh, Tennessee in that second round, in that third round, which Bauer also has. The only difference for him is Utah State and Cincinnati. So he swaps out a a Mountain West team and a Big Twelve team. But and then it's Tennessee and then it's Houston uh, for both those guys. And I just I think that path for Wisconsin is really hard. Um, I I would not be worried. Um, I would have zero fear. Um, Tennessee's already beat Wisconsin this year. Um, yes, Wisconsin's a different team, uh, but Tennessee kind of had their way with the Badgers. Um, so, and I I think Tennessee's really talented. Um, I know you got to believe in Rick Barnes. You have to trust yourself to believe 
in that Barnes can actually deliver in the postseason. Uh, but if you but Tennessee beats you up, and then Houston to like to turn around and go Tennessee on Friday, Houston on Sunday, or Thursday Saturday is a lot, and I I think that that's going to be really hard. And I, I but I do hope that like somebody beats Tennessee or Houston because if they face each other in an Elite Eight. That will be a car crash of a basketball game. <laughs> I mean, that game, that that matchup will be two team. Like it'll be first to sixty. I know Tennessee's played a little differently this year, but like dude, the physicality of that game would be unbelievable uh, because both teams are extremely physical. No Green Bay, uh, they are I think out of the mix right now. But if they come back, we'll we'll certainly discuss it. All right, uh, wrapping up today's show uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks take on the Phoenix Suns tonight. We will have a recap tomorrow morning. Um, we'll not be recapping it at night. Um, as <laughs> with the cold, I, uh, I'll stay up for the game, but I will be likely popping a NyQuil uh, probably 11 o'clock. Like as, I, as the game's winding down, hopefully I will be also trying to get myself wound down. Uh, so I'm not all fired up after the game. Hopefully the Bucks don't do anything to piss me off or overly excite me, um, and then I can just keep a normal heart rate. But I know uh, asking for that with this team is is a hard ask. Uh, the recent trade rumors, the things that have been swirling, uh, the really just one, and it is the idea of a Bobby Portis Grant Williams swap. Now, it, it doesn't seem like it will just be Grant Williams. The Bucks wanted Josh Green. Dallas said no. Uh, it seems like Grant might be a conduit to a bigger deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. And the trade Picassos have been out. Uh, they are making it happen. And it would be Grant. Will There's been, I've seen a version of a Grant Williams and DeJounte Murray. I've seen a Grant Williams and Alex Caruso. Uh, it seems like that Grant Williams, you know, this could be just sort of the bridge to get the Bucks to a bigger deal. And then the guys that would be sent out would be Pat Connaughton, would be Marjan Bochamp, would be a second round pick. Grant Williams, it, it's so interesting with Grant Williams because we all hated Grant Williams. And Grant Williams was a guy that was persona non grata uh, for really every Bucks fan. Uh, he was called the fat Teletubby by me, I think, on social media for sure. I don't know if I've ever called him on the podcast, but Grant Williams definitely not really a well-liked guy uh, for everybody. So to go from Bobby Portis, who's very popular with the casual fan base, to Grant Williams would be something else. Uh, that would be quite the tough sell. Grant Williams has not necessarily played well this season. It's not been a good year uh, for Grant Williams, uh, it kind of looks like he sort of cashed out and then forgot how to play basketball. Or maybe it's a system guy and he just works in what Missoula had put together. Um, I would probably try to sell myself that John Horst knows better than I do. Uh, Grant Williams, as weird as it sounds, would kind of be PJ-esque in the sense that like he can guard you know, those bigger wings and sort of take some of the load off Chris Middleton. Um, he can also bang in the paint and get rebounds. And it's very possible that Horse feels like Grant Williams has been, you know, maybe misplaced in Dallas. And that was just a bad fit with what Jason Kidd wanted to do. And that they believe that there is a role for Grant Williams. 
Uh, Giannis and him, I, they've they joked around with each other. I think there's a relationship. I think it's really important that guys, you know, can play with Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think Bucks fans sometimes forget that part of it. Um, but I, I do, I do think that it would be a tough pill for a lot of us to swallow um, because it's yeah, there's just been a lot of tortured history for that. But Grant Williams would certainly have the Boston angle, wanting the revenge. The, can you get him back to being this corner three assassin? Um, yes, he's fallen off a bit. And yes, he has struggled. And yes, there are moments where he has Bobby Portis in him where it's like it's Grant Williams time. And he kind of becomes a black hole. But Grant Williams is a, a leader. He is a guy that you know wants to be you know a sort of vocal sort of locker room guy, which is exactly what Bobby Portis is. But it's a little different. And I don't know if that would come off like poorly, I don't know how you know Giannis would necessarily respond. Giannis and Dame, it's a, it's a kind of a different locker room for Grant Williams, which is fascinating too, right? Because he would he come to a locker room that's a little older than what you had in in Boston. So I, I think that the, I can understand the pathway. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, it. It's not to me. That's just kind of it's kind of moving deck chairs a little bit. Um, and then for the other part of it, where it was like Murray or Caruso, yeah, I mean, that would be ideal, right? Then, then all of a sudden, like you have, you have a real team and you have a real roster. Um, I, I'm not as big on DeJounte Murray. I think DeAndre Hunter actually is more interesting. I worry a lot about the, about his health. That's like the biggest concern. Like I have to know, like Suki Hobson is way okay with DeAndre Hunter's, you know, medical history because it's it's significant. But the guy can shoot, the guy can defend. Uh, he is a guy who's been a championship player. I think that matters. Um, I I obviously took a lot of shit on the X platform for calling Colin Sexer, Colin Sexton uh, a loser um, on uh, on Sunday, but I mean, it's true. Like Colin Sexton never played for winning basketball. He doesn't know what it's like to win. And DeAndre Hunter does. DeAndre Hunter won a national championship. Like DeAndre Hunter has big been in big moments. So, but it's the question of will will DeAndre Hunter's knees fall apart on him? And I think the Bucks have to be absolutely fucking certain if they're going to trade for Hunter, if they're going to give up the assets to get Hunter, that he's going to be okay. And if you need to manage his minutes, if you need to have him come off the bench, and it's still Malik Beasley, and you just put Hunter with. Dame and sort of basically offset what you have with Damian Lillard, you know, in terms of a defense, that's fine. But I, I, I would just be so hesitant about the the potential injury. But I, I haven't seen like if you can do the if you can do it for Hunter and kind of have that same sort of three way deal uh, where you send Bobby and Pat out, you also send Bochamp, you also send a second rounder uh, for those guys because I feel like that's that to me. Hunter or Murray is much better than Caruso. If that's what you have to, that's what it takes for Caruso, which it sounds like it is. Like they want an OG and a Nobi type deal for Caruso. Like, I don't know if I want it. Like, I, I really don't. Like, I think we've overvalued Alex Caruso. I think Alex Caruso is a good player. I just don't know if he is like a great player. Like, I, I think that he is a solid, solid basketball player that could be a good playoff guy. I just don't know if the impact is worth, like his personal ROI, I don't know if it's worth what the Bucks would have to give up to get him. 
And especially you're giving this up to the Bulls, right? So if you give up Marjan Bochamp and you get and you say, all right, Marjan now goes to Chicago and you give up a second round pick that is a pretty valuable pick, like, you know, that could haunt you. Now, yeah, if you win a championship, just what we talked about earlier, like maybe it doesn't matter. Then you're like, who cares? Who gives a fuck? But I, I just don't know if Caruso is enough to sort of bring this team to, to glory. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. And I'm wrong. But I just, I have hesitation. I have reservations about what Alex Caruso is. And yeah, I, I think those are kind of right now, right now the rumors, and right now where we are at. And obviously there's a long way to go. The Bucks move in silence. I, I think I saw somebody who's like, I wonder if the Bucks are playing a little anxious in terms of just, they know that moves are coming. I think that's fair. I think, I think we can all see it. I think we all know. Um, and this is, you know, what's crazy about tonight is this is the last sort of version of this Bucks. I do not expect the Bucks to remain stagnant. Um, and so this will be the last version that we watch. It might be the last Bobby Porter's game. It might be the last Pat Connaughton game. I think if the Bucks stay put, uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot, long discussion on, on Friday. I don't think you can stay put. I think that you've got too far. Um, you got to at least do something. Um, even if it's getting a backup big, right? Even if it's just saying, look, because like Robin Lopez, you know, I, I realize it's a brother tax, but Robin Lopez shouldn't be on this fucking roster. Um, and he shouldn't be starting. He should be anywhere near an NBA gym. He should be playing in Japan, cash and checks. No disrespect to Robin, but I mean, it is what it is. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting, this could be it. And it's it's actually ironic that it's Phoenix, right? Because that's the team you be in the finals. Um, that is, that Pat and Bobby both had major moments in that finals appearance. Um, so if it is it, like, yeah, that's, that, that'll be something. We'll, we'll certainly talk about that game. We'll talk about others, um, talk about other topics. I, I realized I didn't talk about Judas or Adamas. Um, and I said I was going to, so why don't we talk about it tomorrow? We can, we can certainly bridge it to tomorrow. Maybe there'll be more news on, on that stuff. Who knows? I feel like baseball's hot stove is like beginning now. Uh, so who knows? Maybe there'll be more deals to talk about. Uh, but we will, uh, we'll get into that on Wednesday's show. Um, thank you guys. Sorry I have to post, post late because of the cold. I just don't want to keep myself up. Uh, so thank you for understanding that. Thank you for dealing with the nasal uh, the nasal cavity is being plugged up. Uh, hopefully I'll sound better uh, as the week goes on. All right, take care guys. Have yourself a good Tuesday. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.